Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out hitthatline.com for great interviews, podcasts, videos, articles, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Arkansas's quarterback situation for 2019 is a bleak one, to say the least. We're going to talk about some options there and some of the latest that might be going for the quarterback situation. Also, do want to talk about the SEC showing out, but will it continue to show out once a certain individual leaves? We'll get into that, and then we'll also get into some bowl gifts for these teams these players that are obviously not Arkansas that are participating in the bowl games but how cool they are what I would like to see and uh hopefully no one steals any belt material I think that's the main thing at least I think that's what everybody's hoping for with the belt bowl but we'll start with the quarterback situation at Arkansas now this is something that I think we had a really good discussion on my morning show the morning rush uh this morning in talking about the current situation and how dire it is for Arkansas we know that they need a lot of help in a lot of different areas. They need help on the offensive line. They need help on the defensive side of the ball. They need help at the wide receiver position. They need a lot of help a lot of different ways. And some ways it's not going to be solved just in a mere single year. However, I do believe that there are some pieces that Arkansas is putting together to try to make their situation a little better. But the quarterback one is still up in the air. It's still not great. And it's still a little alarming for many different reasons. One of which is that Arkansas has never really been in this bad of a quarterback situation, at least in my history of following the program. I've been following it closely since about the mid to late 90s. I'm sure a lot of you that are listening in, you've probably been following it a lot longer. And I would challenge you to look back on and try to find a time or a place, or an era, or whatever, to which Arkansas Razorbacks had a much more difficult quarterback situation than what they have right now. Because all you know right now is that you have Ty Story, going to be a senior next year. You have Connor Noland. You have John Stephen Jones. Those are the three quarterbacks that are currently on campus. Then you have K.J. Jefferson, who will be a true freshman as part of the 2019 class. He has not arrived on campus just yet, but uh, they are expecting him to arrive early. And that's it. That's it. Think back and just imagine how dire of a situation you're in and how when was the last time you were in a dire situation like this? You think about it. Austin Allen was your quarterback before. Pretty good. Brandon Allen, pretty good. Tyler Wilson, pretty good. Ryan Mallett, pretty good. Casey Dick, hmm, solid, okay, not great, not bad, average. Mitch Mustaine, kind of the same. Robert Johnson, meh. But Matt Jones, pretty great. Before that, Robbie Hampton, meh. But Clint Stern before that, great. Barry Lunny before that, great. I mean, just think about all these great quarterbacks that you had. The times where you never had to worry about there being such a bad situation. And yet here you are, and arguably the worst situation you can find yourself if you're Arkansas. So what does this all mean and how can they fix it? Well, of course they can fix it by just bringing in somebody like K.J. Jefferson, try to make the difference, try to be a freshman quarterback coming in and uh, mixing it up a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, he could find a way to break the starting lineup as a true freshman. I, I don't know if you want to do that, though, if you're Arkansas this early 
Uh, you never want to see a true freshman quarterback get rolled out there, but if it's the best option you got, it's the best option you got. But I feel like this is also one of the main reasons why Chad Morris and this staff are really fighting for a grad transfer quarterback. Now, they swung and missed on Kelly Bryant. We all know that. We don't have to bring it up again. But there was a reason why they were going after him. It was more than just, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a really great quarterback? No, they're going after him because they need help in the worst of ways. And they don't want to trust their entire team and their entire future on a true freshman quarterback or a young quarterback or a quarterback that has a lot of experience and is older but is not very good at running the offense and is not exactly who they are looking for and who they need. They're, they're, it's problematic. And so it's nothing against Ty Story and it's nothing against the guys on the current roster, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And the sense of urgency that Chad Morris and this staff need to have for this next season to win and win quickly is something that they needed to have yesterday. And I think that they have right now. If they're going to go out and get a quarterback, for instance, Shane Bouchelle, you remember Shane Bouchelle, Texas Longhorn quarterback that is possibly looking to transfer. Some of the staffers followed him on Twitter. Dun, dun, dun. Everyone started thinking that, oh, this might be the guy. They must be recruiting him to come to Arkansas. I mean, I don't know which way or the other, but you know what? If they are, if they are recruiting him, good. Because they need some help. Is it going to be Mason Fine from North Texas? Great. Khalil Tate from Arizona? Excellent. Just do whatever it takes. Get whoever it takes and make it work. And I think that that's the message that Chad Morris is trying to send to the fans by going after these quarterbacks. And it's the smart move by him because I've had so many people come after me and say, why would I want to go with somebody that would only be there for a year? It's just a mere band-aid. It's, it's not going to fix the long-term problem. So, so what if it's a band-aid? Look what band-aids can do. How many times have you seen quarterbacks step in for a year or two and make the difference with their programs? Russell Wilson is the ultimate example of what a grad transfer that can really elevate their game. But there's examples all over the place of guys transferring in, only having one or two years and making a huge impact. So what? I don't care about the future years at four or five years from now if it can help you win now. It's about winning now. You don't have time to mess around. You don't have time to sit back and say, well, maybe in two or three years we'll have a quarterback developed enough to run our system. You don't have time. You're losing the fan base. You're losing the support. You're losing, period. And Chad Morris knows that he cannot afford to have another season like next year or like this past year, this next season. He can't do it. And, and under any circumstance can he do it. And I mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. If he went 0-8 in the SEC next season, and which made him go 0-16 in the first two years, he needs to be fired. Plain and simple. I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll win some SEC games. But I think that it's in that bad of a situation and in that desperate of a situation. So it's a matter of how is Chad Morris going to do his own recruiting and who is he going to go after in the quarterback situation? What is he going to do? How is he going to do it? I have faith in him. I think he's done a really good job recruiting. I know he didn't get Kelly Bryant, but he's possible to get another big-time quarterback in the transfer portal, which I'm sure we'll know more about here in the coming weeks. And so if he's able to bring down somebody like a Shane Bouchelle or something like that, great. That'll be exciting. Am I going to sit here and try to tell you and convince you that all is going to be well and everything's going to be changing and everything's going to be a nine-win season next year? No, no of course not. 
but it's about winning. It's about winning now. No messing around, no problems, no issues. Go out and get the job done. You can't afford another bad year. So if you're able to get the quarterback that you need and that you want in the grad transfer realm, great. And if the other quarterbacks that are on the roster are pissed off about it and feel slighted, good. Maybe that'll make them work a little harder to try to surpass that other guy. Competition breeds the best in all of us. And hopefully, hopefully for the sake of the quarterbacks that are currently on the roster, it does the same for them as well. College football and these bowl games are starting to rev up. It's amazing that we're already here, but you got to watch these games, right? So if you're going to watch them, watch them through Sling TV. I'm telling you, if you can stream them for your own mobile devices or you can watch them on your big screen, whichever way you'd rather do it, and you have that option, why not do it with Sling TV? Because for $30 a month, you get ESPN networks, Pac-12 network, SEC network, and so much more. And you can stream it anywhere, anytime, day or night. It gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Here's the exclusive offer for all you Locked On listeners. Sign up today with Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Just go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. Check it out. I promise you will not be disappointed. I use it on the daily. I don't know what I'd do without it. And I suggest that you do the same. You'll love watching the sports. Watch them the only way you know how. Watch them the best way you know how. Do it with Sling TV. Get that seven-day free trial. Tell me what you think because I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Again, go to sling.com slash locked on. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You know, the SEC just is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it so much fun to be a part of a conference that is so elite that always gets the benefit of the doubt? Well, I think so. I know some other people kind of get it on the nerves of those who say that they love the SEC, chant the SEC, SEC bias, SEC, SEC, SEC. Well, I got to tell you, it's amazing that in the Associated Press first-team All-American list, 22 of the players were listed, obviously, and 11 of them were SEC players. Half. Half. Not surprising. The most elite talent is in the SEC. It's where it always has been, but where is it always where it will be? And what I mean by that is when I started thinking about it and seeing how many players, of course, Alabama had, and you had a Kentucky player here, and you had a Mississippi State player here, you had a Georgia player here. It wasn't just all Bama, but Bama definitely held the bulk of it. And it just really started to make me wonder with Nick Saban at Alabama. When he leaves, which Lord knows we're all praying it's very soon. When he leaves Alabama, will the SEC continue on its dominance of college football? Now, of course, the one side of me wants to say, of course it will. It's the SEC, and it's not, it hasn't dropped off. But, I mean, if you really think about it, if it wasn't for Nick Saban and his dominance, the rest of the SEC would still be really good, but nowhere near as dominant. And so if Alabama and Nick Saban parted ways for whatever reason, and say Alabama did not get Dabo Sweeney, which a lot of them are thinking they would, but just say they didn't, what then? Look at the current situation with a lot of these coaches. Do you feel like Ed Orgeron at LSU is a national championship caliber coach? A coach that 
with Nick Saban stepping out of the realm, that he could be that coach that steps up and takes the SEC by the balls and wins the conference and then plays for a national championship? No. I don't. What about Joe Moorhead? Matt Luke? What about Gus Malzahn whenever they decide to finally fire him? No. Jimbo Fisher at A&M? No, because it's A&M. Nothing's going to change there. It's A&M. They'll be, they may be pretty good, but they won't win a championship. But what about, okay, so what about the East? Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee? You have to be determined. Will Muschamp? No. Derek Mason? <laughs> Mark Stoops? No. You might be getting all you can out of them already. Maybe Kirby Smart at Georgia? I think that's the best bet. Dan Mullen at Florida is an intriguing one, too, but I want to see more from him. So maybe those two teams could step up. But it's not all, my point isn't going through all those. It's that I just don't have a lot of confidence in it. I don't have a lot of confidence in the current coaching situation in the SEC besides Nick Saban. I mean, truly think about it. Say Nick Saban just ex- ceased to exist. Who's, more, who's the most likely to win a national championship in the SEC? Kirby Smart? Okay. Who next? Dan Mullen? Mm. I may give you that one. Maybe. But who else? I got nothing. Nobody. There's not a single person that I look at in this conference that could step up besides maybe Kirby Smart. And so if that happens and then the SEC loses that shine from Nick Saban, does it revert back to just being another run-of-the-mill conference like the rest of college football? Does it, is it able to continue to compete for national championships every single year? Does it have the same quality of play across the board? Do coaches get more time because Nick Saban hasn't arrived? Maybe. Maybe. But I just found it fascinating that you get so used to something going one way. You get so used to the fact that the SEC is the SEC and it's the greatest conference in the country. Nobody comes close until it's not. Arkansas fans, you know that better than anybody. It's, it's amazing how great everything is. Until something happens. Something changes. And then you're constantly thinking back to a time, to a better time, a time that you enjoyed life a lot more as a fan. Say, where did it all go wrong? What all happened? And you hope that the SEC doesn't go through that. Because you know how much it sucks. Arkansas is still looking back. (laughs) So I don't, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it will happen. But either way. We'll see how it plays out with Nick Saban, and we'll see how it plays out with the rest of these SEC coaches that are still new to the game and see if maybe they can overcome some of the issues that they've had and be able to take it on and be able to do something that nobody's really seen before, and that's to be able to carry the torch besides Nick Saban. Somebody besides Nick Saban doing work in the national level year in and year out. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Time will tell. But either way, I cannot wait to see What happens to this conference once Nick Saban is no longer on top? You 
your Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the final segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You know, I talked. To, I wanted to talk a little bit about the bowl games and the bowl gifts that they got. Now, do any of you probably care about the bowl gifts? No, of course you don't. You wouldn't give two rats you know what about it. But I do think that it was funny always to see these lists when they come out. And they discuss what the gifts are for these bowl games across the country. And it's also amazing to me just to see how sometimes... There's a lot of bowl games that are looked down upon because of where they're at and how they're not really the greatest thing of all time as far as the matchups, but you still get really sweet gifts. So here's just a few things that the SEC will be given in their bowl games. Okay, we'll start with Vanderbilt. They're playing in the Texas Bowl versus Baylor. They get a gift suite, which, by the way, a gift suite is where you go into a suite and uh, there's a lot of different gifts around, assortments, gift cards, whatnot. And you get to pick out a certain things, almost like the Chuck E. Cheese of gifts in the bowl game. So just a lot of places are going to do that. But you get a gift suite, Academy Sports and Outdoors gift cards, Adidas backpack, and a belt buckle. Texas A&M and the Gator Bowl, they get a fossil watch, a Maui Gym sunglasses, an Amazon Echo, eye slides, an SIC tumbler, and a dop kit. South Carolina gets a shopping trick to Belk Department Store because <laughs> it's the Belk Bowl. We'll all never forget that. Fossil Watch, uh, and that's it for them. Missouri at the Liberty Bowl, they get a shopping trip to Memphis's Bass Pro Shops, a Bose SoundLink Bluetooth speaker, Belova Watch, Nike Athletic Shoes, sports sandals, backpack, and sunglasses, as well as a football. That's a pretty great one right there. At Mississippi State in the Outback Bowl, they get a Fossil Watch, Jotston's Ring, $125 Best Buy gift card, an Outback Steakhouse gift card, and hat. Not bad. LSU goes into going to the Fiesta Bowl. They get a PlayStation 4 gift package. All about that. Fossil Watch with engraved case back, an Ogeo X-Fit backpack as well. Nice. $400 gift card to Best Buy for Kentucky as they go to the Citrus Bowl. A Fossil Watch and Ogeo backpack with luggage tag. Also really nice. Georgia at the Sugar Bowl gets a gift sweep. Fossil Watch, New Era cap, Rock'em socks, and cufflinks. That gift sweep better be pretty sweet. That's all I'm saying. Florida at the Peach Bowl gets $300 of a, a vanilla Visa gift card. A Fossil Watch, a Mophie Power Station XL, an Amazon Echo Dot smart speaker, third generation, and a football. Auburn going to the Music City Bowl, Gift Suite, and Fossil Watch. All I know is, is that Fossil Watch and that Gift Suite better be pretty freaking sweet. That's all I'm saying. And then finally, Alabama at the Orange Bowl get a Gift Suite, a Torno Watch, personalized bobblehead of each student athlete, and a sling bag. See, now I'm all about that. Listen, I know that these players probably want some gift cards and some free food and all that fun stuff. But if you can get me a personalized bobblehead of myself... Yeah, I'm rocking that. I am all about that. I I will never turn any of that down. So I just thought it was fascinating to see that these are the gifts that they come up with and how some of these players are really going to get taken care of, even though some of the bowl games, like, for instance, the Liberty Bowl, is looked uh, upon as, as, you know, gratefully. It's still pretty good, sweet setup. So... I don't know. Just find it fascinating there. Appreciate everybody listening into the podcast today. Be sure you can like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after us on Spotify. And you can get after me on Twitter, at RushJohnNeighbors, for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. And we will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 